Hello and welcome to Library Staff Love Learning Twitter Spaces. For the next five minutes or so, we'll just be sorting ourselves out and, and organising stuff. So, so please bear with us and we will start promptly at seven o'clock. <clears throat> Hi Sabrina, nice to have you with me. And invite to co-host. Hi, Sabrina. So are you with me now? Yeah, all here. Perfect. That's great. Hi, Emily. I can see that you're there. Can I just ask you to request to speak for me, please? And hopefully we'll get you on and sorted. It's always nice when I see a couple of other people with me, which is always good. Oh, there you go. I can see it. There we go. So hopefully, hopefully, Emily, do you just want to unmute yourself and just test that you can speak to me? Hello? Hello. Okay, great. That's perfect. Okay, I'll just hang around. What we do is we just hang around and make sure that we've got all our speakers Um and then we start start promptly in about seven o'clock. So I'll hang around a bit and make sure that our um, other speakers are around. Um, who was my other, who was my other speaker? That is a good question. Uh, where is he? Um, I'm just gonna right. Just mute yourselves and, and yeah, I'll, I'll 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 talk to myself as as I do for the next few minutes. Um, let's just see. I just need to ask. Where is he? Ah, there he is. Um, Hayden, would you just like to request to speak for me, please? And then we can, and I know I've got everybody, which is lovely. I know I'm missing Ruth. That's the other person I'm missing. So Hayden, if you can hear me, which hopefully you can, you need to request to speak and then you'll be able to talk. There you go. Fantastic. Okay. So, Hayden, do you want to just unmute yourself and say hello? Hello. Hello, that's good. Mm. All right. That's, um, we're getting there. That's, that's three of the four. And I've just seen Ruth. So we've got one more person. Okay. Just for now, Hayden, just mute yourself while I sort, sort Ruth out. Hopefully Ruth can request to speak. Oh, you're already a speaker. How did, I, how, how did we manage to do that? Did Sabrina... Um, Magic. Yeah, guilty, <laughs> guilty. <laughs> it's always good when somebody else is there to do it. That's perfect. Okay, um, Ruth, I'm going to try and make you a co-host. And we uh, send co-host. Hopefully that should work. Okay, yep. so we have got two minutes. So let me just explain what we do to those that are, are here to join me. Hello, Holly. Thank you for joining us. We're just getting ourselves sorted um, and we will start properly at seven o'clock. So what I will do is I will introduce you, in, introduce the topic, explain what we're going to talk about. Um, and uh, at the bottom of your screen, you can see a heart with a plus. If you actually poke that, point on that, it will give you options to laugh. It's, if somebody says something funny, put your thumb up like Sabrina just has um say 100% if you will really agree um 
I don't I don't know where is there a thumbs down? Oh there is a thumbs down. I hopefully we won't get too many of those. Um so that's one thing. If if I what I'll do is I will invite you to talk is how it works so that we don't all talk over each other. But if somebody is saying something and you'd like to respond to that, there's a hands up. So can I just ask you to use that so that I can moderate who's coming in and out? Um hopefully it'll all be very easy and straightforward. There is a bubble at the bottom, which is a opportunity to chat about the, the conversation as we go through it. So um, anybody listening, if they want to join in the conversation, they can they can do so via the chat box at the bottom. OK, so it's seven o'clock on my watch. I'm going to take a deep breath, pause and start us off. So good evening. It's another um, session of Library Staff Love Learning Twitter Spaces. Thankfully, Twitter is actually still here. I wasn't quite sure last week with all the rumbling and noise that was going on whether we were actually going to be able to, to talk tonight or not. But thankfully, we're all still here. And while it's still here, we will continue. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about um, digital resources in school libraries. And over the last several years that I've been working in and around school libraries, digital resources was always a thing that was possibly too expensive, possibly um, outside our reach or, or, or our remit. Um, and of course, with the financial state of the, the world, it seems these days, obviously budgets for school libraries is seems to be ever decreasing. But the cost of digital resources continues to increase. So I thought tonight we would have a conversation about how school libraries can jump on board that train of digital resources with a very low budget and just discuss the different options. You know, some of us, some of us will um, be signed up to something amazing that you can afford and and it is important that we talk about those too um but uh, but equally let's see if we can have a bit of a conversation about what the low budget side of this all looks like um tonight i have two uh librarians school librarians with me joining me um so that's emily and hayden so thank you very much for joining us as always i have my co-hosts sabrina and ruth so let me just bring in Sabrina this week. How how how's your week been? Have you have you had a good week? And, and what does your digital collection look like? Oh, it's the right pickle at the moment. I'll tell you. <laughs> and why is? Yeah, um, I'm trying to. There's been nothing. It's all been physical resources at the moment. So I'm trying to build it up. So I'm really hoping you guys will give me a whole list of things that I can go and access, which would be fantastic. <laughs> Um, that's good that's perfect okay so and Ruth and what about you what's your digital collection like well we don't subscribe to anything um because of the cost the thing that we push around on a regular basis is JSTOR but their um pricing model is extremely tricky for us because it's based on the number of our sick form that go to university and because we have a large sixth form and it's very high percentage university, it's extremely expensive. Every other resource we've kind of pushed out the window, really, for one reason or another. Um, 
the best thing that we have this year and last year, we've had access of schools membership to the London Library, um, which is a fantastic thing. And along with that comes a huge amount of access to digital resources uh, free of charge. They have a, a sponsorship scheme for schools and we've been really lucky to be part of that. So we have had access to stuff but we haven't paid for anything. I've been there six years now and they've never paid for any online resources. Okay, so it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think we had a conversation, Ruth and I, about the fact that um, online resources, there are two sides to it, aren't there? There, are, there is the, the access to them, but also the fact that students go straight to Google, even if you have wonderful resources. So possibly tonight the conversation may head down that route of, what it is that we need to be doing as as school librarians to help our students access um, the resources. But but while I'm whispering on, I will I will stop there and pause a second, and I will introduce or ask my first speaker to introduce herself. Um, Emily is known as the copyright girl, and and honestly, the person to go to if you ever have a copyright question. She's she's saved me a couple of times, which is which is wonderful. But she's not here tonight to talk about copyright. Maybe another session, we'll get you back to do that. But we're going to be talking about digital resources, and I know that you were at the JCS conference. Um, was it just at the weekend? And I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about your situation. Um, and and what you do as far as digital resources is concerned. Yeah, sure. Um, hi, everyone. Nice to meet you all virtually. Um, I don't. It's my first time on the Twitter space in terms of talking. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit exciting. Um, yeah. So I uh, work at a, a school called Bradfield College. Um, we are very fortunate that we're an independent school, uh, so the budget is decent, um, and so I do subscribe to quite a lot of online resources. Um, we take quite a lot of our subscriptions through JCS Online. So I know Joyce Martin there very well, and she's a very big advocate of school libraries and librarians. And she's always looking to try and get the best deals as well. So she's always trying to negotiate um, as best as she possibly can, really, um, and trying to keep things affordable. I know that it's difficult because the licensing schemes and everything else just mean that, you know, wherever possible, the publishers are trying to push the prices up. It's um, And I know, I know it's difficult. Um, so I recognise that I'm in a very privileged position and that doesn't happen for everybody. Um, so, yes, on Thursday, I went to an event at Abingdon School uh, where um, JCS basically, they, they gave us a bit of an update uh, on the online resources that they um, are pushing out there. Um, they showed us a press reader, which looked amazing. Um, but unfortunately, the pricing point was rather high. So a lot of the schools had said, you know, we, we trialed it, which is great. But unfortunately, then we couldn't afford it. And um, I think if I'm honest, I wouldn't necessarily have the uh, the capacity in my budget to, to have it either this time. But it's basically all of your um, you know, newspapers and magazines and stuff in a whole range of different types, um, all available online, which kind of students can search across, download to the app and read and all that kind of stuff. So it looked amazing and it's worth taking out a trial if, if you want to. But just bear in mind that the, the pricing point is quite high. Um yeah, sorry, Elizabeth. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm wittering now as well. So well, is there anything particularly you want me to address or do you want no, to, to introduce No, that's really good. It's just mm -hmm. it's getting a feel for who you are and what, and what you do. And, and that's great. You know, welcome for, to, to your first Twitter Spaces chat. Actually, Ruth has put her hand up. So before I get, before I bring Hayden in, I'm going to ask Ruth to speak. Yeah, absolutely. It's a picking up really, which is why I'm interrupting in a rude way. Um, it, the press reader is something that we um, have access through 
Kent County Libraries around here. So, you know, all of our online newspapers and magazines, I couldn't dream, I wouldn't dream of subscribing to, and I'm not sure I'd subscribe to even if I had the budget for it, because it's all there and paid for by the council and the local libraries already. So, you know, as part of my, I, I kind of feel it's my duty to advocate for those services as well. And since the students can access them from school. So I'm interested to know whether that uh, service provided by a commercial company is giving the students anything that they couldn't get free from their local libraries. Um, yeah, I'm just going to respond to that. I, it's a very good question. And it's a question that we asked as well there, because there are some schools who do get it through the public libraries. Um, so I think that... Um, the things that were different were things like you could create your own um, kind of self-publications um, and you could upload your own content to the site. Um, and uh, you, parents and family members were able to see it and read it as well. Um, there was a, the archives included in the package, or there's one package with the archive, um, which you can have going back how many years. Um, what else is in there? Let's see. You were able to share it into OneNote, download devices, uh, notifications. Oh, and there's analytics. So the big thing was the analytics, actually, where you can run some really nice analytics um, so for kind of statistical purposes and find out what, um, what people are accessing and what the popular stuff is and the less popular stuff is and that kind of stuff. Really nice. I don't think it's... I, I, what can I say? maybe not necessarily kind of nice enough to be able to yeah. afford it but it was a very nice feature that we, we were all quite impressed with yeah absolutely that's brilliant thank you thank you Emily so so I can see that Susan has got her hand up I'm just going to introduce um Hayden first before um so so I welcome back to you Susan can I just ask you to mute yourself for a minute um Hayden um I but he he has joined he's a school librarian he's joined my Facebook group um, and he shared with us the other day a great video that he had done, um, which is which is how he's suddenly on my Twitter spaces. If you raise your head above the parapet, you know I, I get you. So so I'm delighted that Hayden has agreed to speak um, with us this evening. Can you just tell us a little bit about your situation in your school and and what digital resources you might have access to? Hi everyone. I'm Hayden. I'm the librarian at Forge Valley School in Sheffield. Um, I, I, actually, a lot of what I was going to say has already been said about um, public <laughs> libraries uh, in particular. I, uh, so we do have uh, the Sheffield Central Library has, again, I don't know if it's the same press pack that we're talking about, but it has all the, all the sort of popular magazines and New Scientists, National Geographic, etc., and and um, journals and things. And again... So I was just going to say, uh, Hayden, when when you are using the public library resources, do you find that students find it easy to access? So what we've done is to streamline that. We rely heavily on the OPAC that we have, the, the online catalogue. Everything in our school library is sort of treated like a digital object anyway. So all the physical resources are catalogued in a very similar way to all the other digital things and, and useful links and stuff. So what I can do is I can I can set up an item on the catalogue that is, let's say, National Geographic magazine, and then that's just a click-through link to the central library. So do, um, the, so do the students need to actually be registered at the library to use them? They do need a, a library card. But again, that's advocating those local services and that's um, 
you know, it, it's not a, a difficult thing to do. It's something that we can engage with parents, which is another excuse to engage with parents. And Absolutely. So, so you have to register the students at the public library. Do you do it through yep. the school or do you actually ask them, the children and families, to, to register themselves? We ask the, the families, the children, on an individual basis, if someone's come to us and said, I would like to access this resource, we say, yes, you can access this resource, but this is a particular resource. This this comes from the central library, so therefore you'll need a library card. Um, but the link that would be on our catalogue would be a click-through link to the Sheffield Library's website that would then say, sign up. And it's, it's a case of... Um, username and password they don't need a physical library card or anything so it's quite a quick process okay so so can they so asking really basic questions here probably but can they register without their parents um needing to do anything can they register while they're at school that's a good question and it's something that i will take back to the school because if it's something that we could front load at the beginning with our next cohort of year sevens as they come in or anyone even um, even as a little homework from the English department, say, OK, what I want you to do this weekend is I want everybody to be signed up. Or yeah. if we could do it at school, that, yeah, that would be a great idea. Yeah, yeah, it's just wondering how things work, because when I used to work at, at the School's Library Service in Guernsey, we had this thing that we wanted all the students to have a library card. Mm. And, of course, you've got to choose a year group. So we chose Year 7, and every child in Year 7, obviously we could do it because it's Guernsey, and Guernsey isn't that big, so we yeah. had... The, the, a full day of bussing in all the year seven <laughs> to the public library and we got them registered and they visited the library you know but but that's a huge commitment and obviously in a in a in a larger county or or place it's obviously not quite so easy but if you can register online and yeah. if you don't need to prove your address because you're not borrowing anything you're just accessing it it's interesting isn't it? yeah okay let us yeah give us an update when you find that one out for us Hayden. <laughs> I will do. <laughs> okay, um, I'm delighted that Susan has um, decided to jump in and be a speaker this evening. Um, do you want to just introduce yourself, Susan? And um, uh, you seem to have a—you had your hand up before. It may have been uh, dealt with now, but but welcome. Come and join us. Or maybe not, Susan. Are you there still? I am there. I'm trying to get my oh, mind. Wow. Yeah, there we go. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. I have an old phone and um, it has a very small screen. So I was having okay. problems. <laughs> no, that's all right. It's just when there's, there's a real gap in them and you say, oh, no, no, have I lost somebody offline? But no, no welcome anyway. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine, thanks. And I've just spent an entire day with other librarians discussing online resources. So this is actually a really good opportunity to share some of that. Um, So I'm a teacher librarian at an international school in Surrey. Um, It's an independent school and we have lots of online resources. But having said that, the reason I I wanted to speak was um, we started talking about Press Reader and we had quite a discussion about Press Reader today. We had come to the conclusion that though we've had press reader for the last four or five years, we were now going to get rid of it. Um, I did an analysis of what was being used and we decided that um, 
it wasn't being used enough, despite the fact that we were constantly talking to teachers and students about it. I also discovered, as has been talked about, that you can access Press Reader through the public library. So I've now signed up myself. I mean, I had a, a library card, but I've actually... Um, change my app from accessing press readers through um, our school to through the li Surrey library system so I could see how it works. Um, as everybody else has been talking about, students can sign up online. Um, it, I imagine it must vary from place to place, but in Surrey, um, they can sign up just for digital access. Or if once they've signed up and I think uh, the, the system sends them something to their house, they can take whatever comes into a local library and actually get a card as well if they want to. Um, I also really would like to support the use of my local library's um, resources. And they have lots of digital resources, which would be useful to students, to teachers. Um, it's going to vary, I'm sure, from county to county. Um, I, we don't have it anymore, but Surrey used to have access to Britannica schools, which is an excellent resource. Yeah, um, and Guernsey did the same. Guernsey used to have Britannica online, and I'm sure the, the public library does have have the school's Britannica as well. So yeah, it's absolutely, it's important that if if the public library has the resources, if there's an easy way to connect students to that, then it certainly seems to be a sensible solution, doesn't it? It was certainly a lot less expensive. I mean, we've been paying, was it over 6,000 pounds a year? Wow. It's, it's ridiculous, actually, when yeah. I think about um, the 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 uh, periodical that was mostly used was the guardian and I couldn't help but wonder if I was the one who was using it <laughs> since I access it every day yeah. Um, yeah. but um, oh there was something else I was going to say oh yes there's the other thing we we think oh the press reader that's really great and you can access all sorts of um, you know journals uh, not journals but uh, magazines and newspapers the problem is you can't actually copy the articles because if you do you're in breach of copyright and uh the first time i thought oh that looks like an interesting article and did a screenshot i had something pop up on the screen saying this is uh you know against you know the Copyright. What was it? Yeah, that, yeah. It, I, they didn't say copyright, but um, there must be something that we signed when we um, got the um, Okay, the so, so we, have the, we have the perfect person online to tell you the answer to that, I'm sure. So, Emily, do you want to jump back in? Yeah, I'm not sure I have all the answers necessarily, but I find that quite interesting, actually. Um, and just wonder, are you taking it direct from Press Reader? Yes, I did just did a screenshot of an article. Okay. And because, press readers said that it, it was against the terms. Oh, uh, yeah. See, and, and this is a problem, actually. Um, and, and again, you may find this with some online resources as well. Um, 
in copyright, there are certain things that you can do for educational purposes, and that would be one of them, is copying an article. Um, now, your school will also be signed up to the CLA license, which covers you know, the, yeah. the newspaper licensing agency as well, and that allows you to do that within a school, and that will override the licensing terms. So, you know, press readers should not be doing that for schools because that is essentially... They're, they're enforcing contract over what we can actually do and what we're paying license fees to do. Um, so there's a real disconnect there. Uh, I would query that because that's... I wonder, though, I've, if you think about it, Press Reader is actually not a British um, resource, is it? It's coming from Canada. So... Mm. Is there's, it covered there's still, by British copyright laws? Uh, yeah, absolutely. If you, it's in the country that you're in. So, absolutely, okay. you, you know, you are, you are bound by what, what the country that it's in. Um, Canada has its own kind of educational copyright. It does, act yeah. Anyway, so it would allow you to do certain things there too. But um, yeah, that I, that is very interesting, and that's one that I will make a note of um, and make sure that that is not happening through JCS's subscription. Well, I think we were getting it through JCS's subscription too i'm not sure we do get a number of them from there but um the other thing is though it's not easy to um actually copy an article so the only way i found was through screenshotting and um so that's going to make it i think a little more complicated anyway that's just a few things that i had to um sort of observations i had about press reader I think it's overly expensive, and if you can get it through the public library, you should. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I think the, the underlying theme here is definitely if you can connect with your public library resources, then, then that is, 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 a, is a big deal, I think. You know? um, one of the things that has come up, though, is that there are opportunities to access the free online resources. And I have this wonderful wakelet that I will share in the, in the chat um, that is that um, uh, Claire Brumpton, <laughs> funnily enough, her name has just jumped in. Um, uh, she's put together and I will share it with you. But that brings me on to thinking about maybe some of the uh, free online resources and the kinds of things that we look at and we use. Now, Ruth's got her hand up. I don't know whether she's going to try and answer that question or has she got something else to say? Can I bring you in, Ruth? No, that's exactly where I was going, Elizabeth. Um, I was One of the things that I quite like about not having databases is that it's a teaching opportunity for the students, I think. And I try and use it in that way. I try and say to them, look, this is the challenge. If you worked for one of or you were studying at one of the top research university departments, you would have access to all sorts of stuff. But let's accept that we're sixth form or, you know, lower. And actually, let's deal with what we can get free. And let's carefully think about what resources are available to us. Um, we do occasionally email academics or journals and say, this is who we are. Is there any chance you could send us that article? We usually have quite a lot of success with that. And otherwise, they think laterally about what they're looking for and where they're looking for it. And we use a lot of the sort of, um, you know, database of online journals or um, access to research or 
I don't know, Google Scholar full text. We use Unpaywall. If you haven't come across Unpaywall, it's a fantastic uh, Chrome extension. So it sits on Chrome. When you look for an article, it goes off and it looks for a legitimate free copy of that article. So if it looks as though it's hidden behind a paywall, sometimes, quite often, there's a free uh, copy somewhere around on the Internet. And Unpaywall has gone off and searched for it for you. And that's brilliant. And I really like that challenge for the students. I like, in a way, the limit of not having, you know, unfettered access to all sorts of databases and things. Um, I think it's good for their research skills. Absolutely. Can I bring um, Hayden back in? He's got his hand up. Yeah, I mean, that unpaywall thing sounds absolutely brilliant. I'm definitely going to take that back um, to the school. Uh, what, one of the things that, that's just popped into my head, there was an article um, that Mary Beard wrote um, mid-pandemic, and she was talking about how she was unable to get into the library. And what, what, do, uh, what do academics do when they're stuck at home and they can't get to their favourite library haunt uh, to do their research? And one of the things she brought up was Google Books. And Google Books is, is this archive of, of books, digitised books, but uh, you get a limited preview of most of them. And many of them are behind paywalls or, or you have to purchase the book. But it also has that feature where you can search within a book. So it, we've done a little thing where it's a kind of stepping stone, again, stepping stone between that sort of prescriptive lower school teaching to towards university off you go and find it on the internet so we're trying to instill those academic conventions and and uh, again um that kind of resilience and, and research skills by saying to students get on google books search within a book because you've got that search function that will will, will cast the net really really wide um but you'll get snippets and you, you your 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 what you find your search results are limited um and it, it kind of hits both of those those things i love google books i think it's brilliant absolutely and it's certainly that it, it, google books for me when we were using it at, at school was was a it was a real opportunity to talk about the fact that you know you found the book for free online but actually the bit that you probably want is behind a paywall or is not up there um and it, be able to talk about why that would be important in you know that in itself is a good lesson isn't it um but also those search strategies of, you know, you have found something, where are you going to look next? How are you going to find what you need next? And where is the information going to come from? It, it is that the, the offering a digital offer is far more than, than just the physical resources, don't you think? Um. Let's let's move on to our next question. What are your? I think we might have covered some of this, but what are your favourite online resources and why is one of my questions. Emily, would you like to come back in and talk about some of the your favourites if you can? Uh, it's quite hard. <laughs> um, I'm going to say that one of my favourite resources and certainly one that is probably the most popular in our school is JSTOR, um, just simply because they use it at universities anyway the offering to schools although expensive is pretty comprehensive um it's nice and easy and obviously you can download the articles in pdf um a lot of different disciplines are covered and it just you know it gives you the citation as well 
students just really love it because generally if they they do do a search and, and it's ip authenticated and also it's discoverable within google scholar so actually that's just quite nice because even when they're out on google if they hit a jstor it will take them into our resource and they can get hold of the um the thing and i know that that kind of maybe goes against our, our kind of you know trying to kind of drill search strategies and th things into them but they will go to google scholar and uh, that is what they do so uh, yeah i have to say jstor is is probably one of my favorites and i, I used it a lot at university as well so do you think um, do you think it's a, while you're on this topic mm. of, of search skills that you need research mm. skills, I suppose for university do you think it's important for your students to have access to at least one thing because it's a different search strategy isn't it within a within a paid digital resource it's not like typing the question into Google and and a lot of them struggle don't they when they get to university if they've never had access to to some kind of um digital resource whether it's through the public library or whether it's through the school um do you think it's important to teach or or, or not important because obviously we're all librarians we think it's important obviously um is it a skill that is difficult for them to learn i suppose is the question um well you know it, it's very interesting in that you know i see kind of students going through waves some of them are really truly terrible at searching online and can't seem to find even the simplest things and others, um, you know, kind of become more sophisticated. So I guess, I mean, you know, just looking back at my university career, we didn't have any online resources. I certainly didn't use any online resources until probably I was in my final year. So actually, I, I think that it's not necessarily, it doesn't matter if they've not got access to a paid for database, um, because it's the sort of skill that will develop over time at university anyway, and, and certainly does. Um, I think I think the most important thing is is kind of building blocks and you know, teaching them about, you know, one thing that I run through my, with my students always is I, I, I give them an example of how I helped somebody narrow down a search, because I think, you know, they type in their research question into wherever Google or Google Scholar, and it, it throws up so many results, and not not always necessarily the best ones. Um, and so actually, again, just teaching them, you know, just by reading the article, get a feel for the language, pick up some of the keywords, things that keep coming up again and again, put those back into your search strategy, and then you'll narrow down the resources and you become, you'll get stuff that's actually more relevant to your search. So I think kind of doing it that way is important, but I don't think you necessarily have to have a paid for resource to do that because you can actually do that within something like Google Scholar. Perfect, thank you. Um, can I bring Hayden back in? What's your favourite online resource and why? Um, I also love JSTOR. <laughs> um, yeah, JSTOR's a, a game changer, isn't it? Um, and I've already said Google Books. Um, I, I could talk about that for hours. Um, it sort of fits in similar to what we were just saying with, in terms of ac academic conventions, um, instilling academic conventions and, and in, encountering academic conventions. Anything that's, that's giving you page numbers and citations. And um, uh, yeah. It's hard to pin down anything because, again, if, we, if we're, we're talking about um, research and a research question can be anything, um, there, are some, there are some great museums and there's some great university websites that have things. But if, if, you're, if your question is quite specific, um, it, it's best to have that breadth of different places to go and then a skill with which to, through which to sort of narrow things down. I'm a big fan of Control-F. As, as a function, as, as hotkeys on a keyboard. If you're on Chrome and you are looking through reams and reams of text or loads of PDFs, because let's say you've typed your, your research question into Google Scholar and you've got all this stuff in front of you and it's overwhelming, um, and you've got a few keywords to look for, uh, 
control F is really useful because then you can search within a page and you can rapidly get through all the stuff that you don't necessarily need. Absolutely. And that's such a cool skill to teach kids, isn't it? Or students um, that actually, you know, it, it, there's a real reason for having some a few decent keywords as this as it's the mo- in the most simplistic of terms because that you can use that that function i've had kids come to me and say i'm spending all my time reading research and i'm completely overwhelmed and i've told them that little thing and no one else had told them before what control f does and then and then they've come back the next day and they've gone oh my goodness why didn't i know about this before? <laughs> my, my life has changed yeah yeah <laughs> Well, I would keep it a secret for as long as you can, because then you're Mr. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So drip feed, everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, thanks, thanks, Hayden. Um, Ruth, can I pull you back in? Have you got a favourite online resource? Yeah, I've just put a link in the chat to um, a search engine, a clustering engine called Carrot Two, like the vegetable. Um, and I love okay. it. I'm a really visual person. And I love the way it searches, it it displays its search results. One of the things that I talk to students a lot about is the um, the way you can be out of your depth in Google and you can't see the relationships. And it does, so what it does is search for your results and then it gives you other commonly occurring words and how commonly they occur, how many times they occur in the search results it's found. So you get this beautiful, there are two ways of them showing it, a tree diagram, which actually looks nothing like a tree. It looks like some hexagons or a pie chart. And so it's showing you the relationship between your term and other useful and interesting terms. And I think it can be really thought provoking for the students. I think it can really help them understand their topic better. It's as close as you get to index indexing on the internet i think i think it's absolutely brilliant and they like the look of it as well they like to play with it it moves it's interactive so i really rate that and i always talk to my students about it um when they're starting their you know more in-depth research um yeah sounds really interesting (laughs) something that i'm gonna have to go and look at you don't have a play yeah i will yeah i think it's really interesting is it because Trying to get students off Google and onto a different search engine is quite hard. Um, you know, DuckDuckGo, yeah. for example, it you know it doesn't it doesn't try and second guess you. It expects you to know what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and and that they they get really frustrated by this because they want just the information thrown at them. Um, and I think something like your search cat your cat what's it called carrot two carrot uh, two yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> sounds really interesting because it do it sounds like it makes them think about what they're searching for yeah to finding the resources that they need rather than what google wants to throw at them yeah and because it does something completely different it's it's an easier sell in a way because i don't have to say to them you know this is an alternative to google it's yeah. doing something different. It, you know, it's doing the same thing but differently. And so they can they they only have to go and look once um, and they can see something really tangibly different. Yeah. So it, 
the easier than saying go and try DuckDuckGo because it's not watching what you're looking at or you know whatever it is that I've decided to try and persuade them with um and they all just I mean they do go to Google Scholar but basically they Google everything yeah Um, Yeah. so if I can even once or twice get them off onto something else um we use the federated search through our um OPAC through our library management system as well but the limitation of that is that the search function you know they tend to put in one or two words into our library management system because we've only got you know 8000 9000 resources you don't need to put in very much to get a reasonable set of results back yeah and then when you run that search over a federated search engine it's kind of a waste of time so yeah. all it does really is highlight good i use it as a way of highlighting good resources that i think they're worth trying yeah fantastic okay can i bring emily back in you've got your hand up um, yeah, sorry, I was just going to draw your attention as well to something that Microsoft have been developing, because we are moving towards being a fully Microsoft school. Um, and they, they're developing something called Search Coach, Microsoft Search Coach, uh, which they're integrating with Teams and OneNote and Word. <clears throat> Basically, I put a link to it if I could um, figure out how to do that. <laughs> Um, not being very technical today um, but basically it's uh, you know it, it, it's it's a kind of teaching and learning tool which helps students to form effective queries when searching for reliable resources online now it will search kind of you know wherever Bing or you know Google Scholar what it happens to be and it just kind of brings your search results up in a kind of um, in the right hand side and there's kind of you know some evaluative stuff on each article and all this kind of stuff um and it's it's certainly gaining some traction I'm, i've been involved with the kind of the beta testing of it um it's gaining a lot of traction and excitement amongst educators um who think it's going to be great um something something that i raised with my colleagues at a meeting on saturday and just said you know do you think this is a bit of a threat to what we do or do we think we can kind of build it in and kind of work with it um don't really know uh, just wondered what you guys thought that mm, sounds fascinating what do you think ruth sorry uh, well yeah i'd be i'd have to have a play with it and see i've stuck the link in the uh, chat i've but i've never i haven't heard across I've heard about it, haven't come across it, but I would definitely want to play with it and see. But I mean, it could be brilliant. You know, we're not known for holding on to our skills and not sharing them with people. So if they've got some brilliant way of teaching this and it's, it imparts information to the students that we haven't been able to share with them well before, then I'm all for it, actually. Yeah, no, I would agree. What about you, Susan? What do you think of that? Um, yeah, I, I don't know what I think about that, actually. I'd have to consider it a bit more. But um, I just wanted to talk about my favorite databases. Go on, then. So um, I was going to say, you know, JSTOR, just as everybody else has, I love the text analysis on it, where you can put your essay in or whatever you're working on, and it comes back with other articles. Also, the fact that a lot of JSTOR um, articles you don't have to have a subscription for. So that's really good. I really like ProQuest Central. Um, So that's one you might consider having a look at. 
And uh, but really, the best deal I think is the London Library subscription, which is just uh, I think last year we paid a thousand and seventy pounds for, and it gives you a massive number of databases, including JSTOR, um, plus the books that you can borrow from them. And then the final thing I'd say is I think that we need to spend, and I, I spend a lot of time on it, we need to spend a lot of time teaching kids how to actually effectively research and search using Google. Um, for the time being, they're going to keep defaulting to Google, so they ought to at least know how to use it properly. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's certainly something that we do need to, to um, focus or, or yeah need to focus on in amongst everything else don't we um emily do you want to come back in uh yeah just a word on the london library so when i started my job we had a subscription to the london library um but i found that it was uh, it was difficult because we only had one login and it wouldn't allow multiple logins for our students and it was a little bit confusing i think to kind of navigate our way around so i mean this was nine years ago so it might be change now but I I didn't like it and I did away with it in the end and um, just kind of took our resources and IP authenticated them and stuff so um, but I'm not to say that's not to say that it's not a great resource I'm sure it is um, but I, I just personally didn't like it at the time so kind of moved away from it. Do you want to come back in Susan? Yeah um, I would say that it's probably still the same um, it does give you three logins um, with three library cards. But what I do is I have the students um, use Catalyst, which is their um, library management system, and find what they want, and um, then I will get it for them. Um, but I also use their um, book subscription service quite a bit, which and they all mail the books out to me free of charge. Um, and my students use that a lot. That's sort of getting away from digital resources, but <laughs> that, well, that is another useful aspect of it. Yeah, I can say, funnily enough, what one of my other questions was: Can school libraries rely on on print-only resources, or do they need an online offer? Ruth, you've got your hand up. I don't know whether you were going to answer that question or not. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was just interested um, to ask a question about your London Library access, Susan. Because we, one of the things that I haven't been able to manage for a thousand reasons is um, going into the London Library because they do, or they offer, or they have offered our students workshops on research skills and, you know, on using the library. And I'm absolutely, this is the geeky librarian in me, I'm absolutely <laughs> fascinated by their classification system. Because they have, sorry to Elizabeth, this is deeply off topic, but they have, the most, down, that's fine. <laughs> they have the most bizarre classification system ever it, it set up just for them by subject. And it contains all sorts of horrendous cultural discrepancies, which would never be allowed now. And they're having to recatalogue accordingly. And I think, you know, we're an IB school. One of the things that our students have to do is something called theory of knowledge. There's usually something about classification of knowledge in there. So I'm desperate to get in. But, I, you know, we haven't managed it. And I'm just wondering whether you have managed to access that part of the London Library, because that's a huge benefit, it seems to me, of being a member. Um, 
I I've I go into the London Library quite a bit. You're right, it's crazy. In fact, sometimes I just tell them in advance what books I want because I just can't be bothered spending the hours it'll take finding them. Um, it's idiosyncratic. I'm sure it was put together in the middle of the 1800s <laughs> when they started the library. Um, so as far as students go, um, I've had students go in there and research so that um, I had one student say to me, can I go? And I said, well, I'm sure you can. I can sign one of the library cards, which I did. And she showed up and she spent um, a week going every day up there and working in the library. So that's per perfectly possible. I have not <laughs> accessed the research um, lessons or mm. instruction that they give, no. No, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, we seem to have covered such a lot in 45 minutes. Um, before I, I probably get to my last question, which is, which is what words of wisdom do you think you can leave us with tonight? Um, I just want to advertise that we meet uh, and do these kind of talks every other Monday or during term time. We are going to give, um, we're going to be a couple of weeks off, but we are meeting again on the 12th of December. And I have three senior leaders, Simon Hinchliffe, Martin Winwood, and Richard Giver, who have uh, said that they will come and talk to us about the important role of the senior management team in support of their school libraries. I'm absolutely delighted that we've managed to get them. Um, so make sure you pencil that into your diaries for the 12th of December at 7 p.m. Um, I want to thank our speakers for, for such wonderful words of wisdom this evening and wanted to give them an opportunity to say maybe a final few words before we go tonight. So I'm going to um, give the floor to, to Hayden to start with. Um, digital resources are obviously important. Um, what would what would be your leaving remarks, Hayden, for tonight? Um, uh, I'd say integrate and 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 simplify. I suppose to be as succinct as possible, uh, and and that's that can you can apply that to so many things in terms of how your how your school works, whether you're talking about um, how you promote or make make visible or make accessible these digital resources have as few clicks as possible put it right front and center if you can if, you, if you're keen on them going on jstor have a big button with jstor as soon as they click on their browser um and and integrate everything make it mainstream if you can make it, whatever it is that you'd rather funnel towards your students or or have them moving in 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 whatever direction um make it put it everywhere and have it in, you know, so that all your departments are integrated, get your teachers on board, get your SLT on board. If you've got the opportunity to change your, your the way websites look or you've got the opportunity to do anything in terms of changing how the, the, the actual technical side of accessing these things, if you can change any of that, make it as simple as possible. That would be my advice. Absolutely, because that's the thing. You've just made me think about uh, uh, something else that I was going to talk about this evening. So, so maybe we'll go on a little bit longer. But that, but it is that important 
aspect of the fact that something is digital, so therefore it's hidden unless it's in your face. And like you yep. say, Hayden, absolutely. Do you know, if they're looking at the computer, you want them to be able to see that that resource is available. Do you? I can't. Think... Oh, sorry, I was just going to say I can't speak for everybody's, but it, our experience of our pupils is um, resilience is a thing you've got to learn. And they, they have so much thrown at them all the time, expectations and content, physical resources, digital resources, constantly thrown at them. And yeah, um, make it easy. Do you think a lot of that is, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter really how much the library and the librarian can support or engage. Do you think teachers have a, have a big role to play in in making sure that, the resources that are available are accessed i think it's subtle i think it's there's a lot of um work in terms of perception um if you're in a, a setting where the library is the library with a big capital l and it is considered a, a place that a certain few students go to because they're library kids yeah. um or, or if you know research skills is just a part of the mainstream curriculum that everybody does and everybody learns. And if you if both of those concepts overlap, then you're you're sort of winning. You know, if 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 the library is is a physical place where you have those resources and it's easy to access those resources as opposed to it, you know, there's a lot of conceptual stuff and a lot of perception stuff that that we have to um have to work on, I think, in order to to make what we do mainstream in a school. But yeah, yeah teachers can definitely help. SLT can definitely help. Um it, yeah. it, it does it, it does make a huge difference doesn't it because you yeah. know it, I, th I think you know we we had a, a chat about ebooks a few weeks ago and and part of the problem is that they're sat on a you know in a system in the cloud and actually do you know how it's not like them walking into the library and looking at all the books and seeing them all there mm. it, it you know you have to actually get them to the students and it it is when it uh, when it's online and when it's digital it is it seems far harder um although our students are on digital most of the time you know it's yeah, like... that was the surprise i had when i first joined the library i thought i need to get on social media these kids of this generation they're they're not going to care for any of these books they think they're old and dusty and rubbish and that it's the online stuff that will be where i where i managed to you know speak to them uh and yet i yeah that was the surprise i had was actually the things that i have most engagement on where I've printed something off and stuck it in a menu holder and it's physically in the space, you know, which, which was a massive surprise. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, our, our digital students and our digital teachers are not digital in the way school librarians expect them to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to come back round to um, Emily. Would you like to say anything as as your final words um, for this evening? Um, yeah, so I've got three things, and I agree with everything that's been said as well. Um, first is seamless access. I think you can't make it easy enough for the kids to get access to these resources if they have to put in lots and lots of passwords and usernames and all that kind of stuff. It's just not going to work. So I'm a big believer in IP authentication wherever possible um, and just making sure that, you know, like, like um, Hayden said, you know, having like a big button, you know, here, go, get, go here to search this resource or whatever. Um, 
secondly, I think we as librarians have a responsibility to be curators of information, and that is print and dig digital stuff. Um, and I'm not saying that necessarily with, with the view for independent projects, but actually with teaching and learning and working with staff. Um, so curating resources for example to support courses perhaps in english or in history um you know some of the big humanity subjects which are our friends um and kind of moving on from there to, to kind of work with others so what i'm thinking of is looking at an exam spec working out what they're going to do you know basically a teacher comes to us i mean i have the english department now say to me okay we're looking at a streetcar named desire can you pull together a page of resources for this and they're looking for literary criticism they're looking for contextual analysis um, and they're looking for you know, a bit of background information and some of the key themes of that play and so what i do is i just look around so i might be go to e-magazine for some articles i might get a couple of articles from jstor i'll get i'll i'll scan in a chapter or something from maybe in the connell guide or something like that you know just and then populate a page with all those resources and then it's a kind of one-stop shop for the teacher and the students because at this point I think um, you know also I'm a, I'm a believer obviously of, of independent searching but when it comes to teaching and learning the teachers don't have a lot of time and the kids just can't just kind of go off into the wilderness to, to find what they need to find because they won't find anything very effective but actually finding those resources and using us as a kind of content curator um, is a really good way of building your relationship as well with the teaching departments. So I found that really useful and really successful. Um, and thirdly, uh, I think we just need to teach the kids how to understand how to read, um, you know, an academic resource. They they don't they're not familiar with journal articles. They don't really understand. Um, and just kind of getting them to understand the concept of an abstract, um, you know, kind of you don't have to read the full article. Just read the introduction, the conclusion. Just read the summary. You know, just have a little look at this. Okay, if the content is too high level for you to understand, perhaps come back to that once you know a little bit more, or maybe move away from that resource. And don't not being afraid to move away from something if they think it's too difficult for them to access. Uh, so those are my tips. Absolutely. And, and funny enough, that sort of links perfectly to our session that we did a couple of weeks ago about reading for learning. And that, again, you know, we could easily have gone on <laughs> talking far longer than we did about, you know, how students read online as opposed to reading a physical resource and and how that definitely needs to be taught. It needs to be brought in. Um, thank you, Emily. Um, Susan, did you have any last words that you'd like to to share with us having jumped in? At the last minute, you may not have, but you might. No, actually, I was just thinking, I was going to say something else, but um, thinking about the whole idea of curating, uh, the librarian as a curator of information, uh, that's something that um, I got into a number of years ago. I realized how important that was and how it's absolutely spot on. The teacher doesn't have time and the students don't have the skills for that matter. The teacher doesn't have the skills actually either to find the kind of information that is appropriate for uh, most of what the students are doing. And so um, I got an American um, platform Form called LibGuides, which is used in a lot of UK universities, but not so much in schools. And I've been curating, I think I have a, something like 96 LibGuides now. And I do a LibGuide for each research project that is being done. Um, and I don't give students everything. I just give them tasters of what's really good information. And I also give them little tutorials within the LibGuides on how to go off and find a lot of the information themselves. So I 
I think that's a very important role that we have as a curator of this information. Absolutely. Is uh, do you have to pay for a libguide? Is the I'm afraid I do, but I yeah. honestly I think I would probably get rid of a number of the other online resources I have just to keep the libguides. Okay. Sorry, I've got Ruth jumping in. Do you want to say something, Ruth? Sorry. Yeah. Just on that libguides, we um. We've not had it. I've seen them. I know that Oakham used them a lot, so I've, you know, seen the access of the the outcome of it. But it occurs to me that that's something that you could probably do a very similar version of using OneNote, uh, or well, I would probably use OneNote as a, a Microsoft product um, that's free and that you could create information on because you can attach so much to it. You can organize it, you know, as a notebook. Um, and share it with your students that and outside people that way. So I don't know, you know, not having really had or an opportunity to play with LibGuides, um, I think that that would be my way of kind of mocking something up similar free of charge. Yeah, I did try to do that with a number of different platforms, but that was uh, around eight to ten years ago, so they probably didn't exist then. Um, and you're probably right. There probably are other ways of doing it, but that's the way I've chosen fantastic it's just it's fascinating listening to everybody having so many different ideas and you know we've we've come sort of in a full circle this evening it's been fascinating um we've had you know talking about the the pay for resources the the free ones the fact that it's important to curate um it's important to teach it's important not only to teach them to research but it's also important to teach them to to read what they're finding um we have to give them the little nuggets of of um search skills um like our find key um you know all of it is something you know i i regularly find myself um or or did should i say when i was working in schools explaining or telling a teacher or a student something that i thought everybody knew and actually, that's my my biggest learning is that the simplest of skills is probably what most of of our, our teachers and students don't know. And actually, we should be prepared to to share everything that we know as often as we can. Um, once again, I want to thank everybody for their time this evening. Um, this wouldn't work if people weren't prepared to give me their time free. So I do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, I do hope that you will join us again on the twelfth. Uh, no, on the on the twelfth of December um, for that uh, session in uh, uh, from a senior management perspective, and. Um, you can all go and have your teas now. <laughs> I've kept you here long enough. Thank you so much again for your time. And um, I do appreciate it. Take care and good night, everybody.